Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. This is the Jayhawker Talker Podcast, a podcast affiliated with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Mark Van Sickle, and before we get rolling with today's episode, don't forget to download, subscribe, give this thing a five-star rating, and tell five friends who like the Jayhawks about this podcast. All right, let's dive into it. It is a big week for the Kansas Athletic Department. Of course, the Sunflower Showdown coming up this Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas. Going to talk about that plenty coming up at the end of the show today, but let's dive in to some Kansas basketball because you know what? Kansas basketball is back. They are number one in the nation, and they come out on Tuesday night and get a big win in the Champions Classic over Kentucky, 89-84. So, yes, we'll get into the Sunflower Showdown coming up, but let's talk about this Kansas win because it was so exciting. It was such a good game from start to finish. Now, part of it in the middle, I, I will say. Part of it in the little made me middle made me a little bit nervous there, but... The Jayhawks traveled to Chicago to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Early season, primetime matchup. We've talked about it all summer. This was one of the big games in the non-conference schedule. And it was they were the headliner game last night, the Champions Classic. You had Duke and Michigan in the early game. Duke ended up winning that one. And then you've got Kansas coming up and playing Kentucky. And between those games, by the way, between Duke, Michigan State, and Kansas, Kentucky, they had the college football playoff ranking. So it pushed the KU back even game back even later than it should have been. Usually those games come on about 8 o'clock. This one started about 8.40, 8.45 Tuesday night. So if, if I'm slurring my words a little bit, it's because I stayed up way too late and I had to get up really early for work the next day. But anyway, regardless of all that, we've got KU, K-State, Sunflower Showdown. They were talking about those ranked teams on the show right before the KU game kicked off. So they're trying to get me excited for the Sunflower Showdown right before this basketball game that we'd all been waiting for since it came out on the schedule. So KU gets out there. Champions Classic tip-off after 8.30. I was going to say 8.30, but it was after 8.30. They get out there. It's a back-and-forth battle down to the final minute. But it starts out... With a 9-0 run for Kansas. So you're feeling really good at the start of this game. 9-0 run to start the game for KU. It ends up being their largest lead of the game. So KU's up there, 9-0. All right, we're looking good. We're feeling good. Everybody's playing well. Then the Wildcats from Kentucky storm back. Kentucky freshman Rob Dillingham made four Consecutive three-pointers on four possessions. Senior Antonio Reeves from Duke, from Kentucky, excuse me, made another shot to give the Wildcats a 36-30 lead with 441 left in the first half. So that's five possessions in a row where Kentucky hits a three-pointer. And you're feeling all of a sudden like, whoa, what just happened? KU was up by nine points early in the game. They're up 9-0. And then... As the, as the half continues going, it's like they keep chipping, chipping, chipping. And then all of a sudden, five three-pointers on consecutive possessions for Kentucky. And they're up 36-30. And then it keeps rolling and rolling and rolling from there all the way up to halftime. Kentucky was up 48-38. And KU gets the ball back and gets the final possession at a half. Luckily for Kansas... 
They've got this big guy named Hunter Dickinson on their team who can shoot it from anywhere on the court, who can get a rebound from anywhere on the court. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Who can score from anywhere on the court, who can pass with the best of them. He didn't do too much of that last night. But here you've got Hunter Dickinson who hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to cut Kentucky's halftime lead to 48-41. So instead of going into halftime feeling absolutely dreadful with what happened at the end of the half, you've got a little glimmer of hope with that Hunter Dickinson three-pointer to cut the lead to 48-41 at halftime. So at least for myself at halftime, I see that three-pointer. I'm like, all right, Kansas has what you'd like to think as the veteran team with Dewan Harris Jr., Kevin McCullough Jr., K.J. Adams Jr. You've got Hunter Dickinson, the transfer that came in for Michigan in the offseason, the number one transfer in the transfer portal in all of college basketball. You've got the experience. And Kentucky's got a really young team. So you feel like, all right, Kansas has the experience. They're going to come out in the second half. They are going to show why they're the number one team in the nation. Well, it didn't quite work that way. The break didn't slow the Wildcats down. With 16-22 left in the game, Kentucky took a 58-54 lead. But that would be their largest lead of the game. Kansas starts clawing their way back into the game. On the backs of their leaders, Dickinson, Harris, McCuller, Adams, they all stepped up for the Jayhawks in this game. They all stepped up in the game for the Jayhawks. KU took their first lead of the second half with 9.35 remaining in the game. So they were down 58-54 with 16.22 left in the game. They claw their way back into it, take the lead with 9.35 left thanks to two free throws from Hunter Dickinson. And then the game went back and forth from there. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Really, we weren't sure what was going to happen. I knew that Kentucky had slowed down as far as making their shots. They were on fire in the first half. I knew they weren't going to keep that up. But could Kansas catch up? And the answer was yes. They caught up. They stuck it to them. They kept with them. And then they took the lead for good. In the final two minutes of the game, they took the lead for good. Again, it was two free throws from Hunter Dickinson that gave the Jayhawks the lead. And then there was freshman Jamari McDowell, who we haven't really talked a ton about on this podcast. When we got the uh, recruiting, we were talking about him in recruiting. We talked about when they signed him. We talked about how he could be in the rotation this year, potentially. But he hasn't really been one of those standout guys. So you've got Jamari McDowell, who was well-rested. He only played four minutes in this game. Bill Self puts him in at the end of the game because he knows he's one of the best free-throw shooters on the team. And what happens? Freshman Jamari McDowell only played four minutes in the game, comes up with a clutch rebound after KU takes a three-point lead on those Hunter Dickinson free-throws. 87-84, KU's leading at this point. And then, of course, Kentucky has to go down and try to make a three-pointer late in the game. They got to hit the three if they want to tie it and send it to overtime. Kansas decides not to foul. They let him try to shoot a three-pointer. Kentucky misses the three, 
And there you go. Freshman Jamari McDowell right there for the clutch rebound. He gets fouled with five seconds left in the game. Calmly hits both free throws. His first points of the season for the Kansas Jayhawks. His first points as a Jayhawk come in clutch time. Two free throws in the final seconds of the game to seal the deal for the Kansas Jayhawks. 89-84 is the final score. And this was a historic night for the Kansas Jayhawks on multiple fronts. First, let's let's dive into the, the three big pieces for the Kansas Jayhawks in this game. Three big performances in this game for the Jayhawks. Of course, you had K.J. Adams Jr. score 16 points. I'm not going to take anything away from him. I want to throw that out there before I get to my top three. Because just saying K.J. Adams hitting 16 points isn't a big deal. That's not true. It is a big deal. But there was so much other stuff that happened in this game. A 16-point performance by K.J. Adams Jr. isn't even in the top three. And yes, he fouled out, so he could have maybe even done more. But 16 points from K.J. Adams, I like that. But here we go. Let's talk about the historic night for the Kansas Jayhawks. You've got Kevin McCullough Jr. Finished the game with 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. That's right. His first triple-double as a Kansas Jayhawk. Only the third triple-double in the history of the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program. And this is a storied basketball program. This is a storied history that you are talking about here when you're talking about the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program. Only the third time in Kansas basketball history that there's been a triple-double. Kevin McCuller Jr. gets it. 12 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Absolutely incredible performance by Kevin McCullough Jr. And he was close last year to getting a triple-double. He's that he's he's that guy on the team. He's the spark plug that can do anything. He's one of the best defenders in America. He goes after the loose balls. He's getting a lot of rebounds. He can facilitate. He can get you some assists. He can score when you need him to. And this year, they're actually asking him to score more than he has in the past. He went to the NBA Combine. They said, hey, you got to learn how to score, man. He comes back. He starts scoring in the first couple games. This game, he didn't have to do as much scoring. Still got 12 points along with the 12 rebounds and, or the tennis rebounds and the ten assists. So it was an impressive feat. Very impressive by the super senior, Kevin McCuller Jr. Historic night. Only third triple-double in Kansas basketball history goes to Kevin McCuller Jr. And then you have Dewan Harris Jr. Dewan Harris had himself a knife had himself a night as well. He finished with a career high 23 points. Started the game 5 for 5 from 3 points. His only miss on the night from behind the arc was an off-balance shot he took on an inbounds pass with two seconds left on the shot clock. So basically, he was just chucking up a shot trying to hit the rim. I don't... They count that as an attempt. I wouldn't really count that as a three-point attempt. He was just trying to make sure that they could get a rebound on the shot clock so they don't get a shot clock violation. So he starts the game five for five from behind the arc. And you look back at the first two games. We talked about this a little bit going into the season. Kevin, Mc, or uh, you, you got Harris, who was supposed to be the facilitator, not really going to be the scorer. 
He comes out and has a career-high 23 points against Kentucky, who's playing a four-guard lineup, by the way. In the first two games, combined in the first two games, Dewan Harris had two points. Two total points. In the first game, he didn't even put up a shot. He didn't get a free throw. He didn't go for a layup. He didn't do anything other than facilitate. He had 10 assists in the first game. Second game, he took a couple of shots. He had four shots, I believe, in the second game. Made one of them, had two points. But this guy comes out, and when they needed points, when they needed a three-pointer, he hits it. Career-high 23 points for Dewan Harris. The offensive explosion was needed and timely for the Kansas Jayhawks. Helped the Jayhawks climb back into the game in the second half when they needed him. He also added seven assists. Huge game for Dewan Harris. Career-high 23 points. You love to see it. He's not going to shoot it every game like this. He only shoots it when the Kansas Jayhawks need him. And against Kentucky in the Champions Classic, they needed him to shoot, and he converted on those three-point attempts. Incredible performance by Dewan Harris Jr. And then there was Hunter Dickinson, the new guy on campus. He came into this game averaging 19.5 points and eight rebounds in the first two games. Scored 18 points in one game. 21 points in another game. But he was playing against... uh, Hunter Dickinson was playing against a Kentucky team that was without three of their big men. Starting a four-guard lineup. And Dickinson absolutely ate up the Wildcats on the glass, in the paint, offensively, doing whatever he needed to do to get the Jayhawks back into the game and then to help them win the game from the free-throw line. It was an impressive performance in many ways, but you look at the final stats. He finished the game with 27 points and a career-high 21 rebounds. 27 points and 21 rebounds. The last time a Jayhawk, think about this, the last time a Jayhawk had a double-double that featured 25 points and 20 rebounds in a game was in 2011 by former KU power forward Thomas Robinson. Thomas Robinson was a beast. He was an All-American. He was up for player uh, National Player of the Year. Hunter Dickinson is going to be right there at the end of it. His odds, by the way, to win National Player of the Year <laughs> went from plus 900 to plus 450. So it cut in half after the game last night. So if you want to bet, bet that on Hunter Dickinson, you probably should have got that bet in before last night's game against Kentucky because the odds are not in your favor now. <laughs> but it was Hunter Dickinson's first 2020 game in his career. And there's going to be more of that, by the way, where that came from. At this point, we've seen what Hunter Dickinson can do in three games, twice against teams that were inferior twice against teams where Hunter Dickinson only had to play 20 minutes in the game. And then you see what he can do against a team like Kentucky, a top 20 team. And he absolutely dominated it. And now at this point, head coach Bill Self has no excuse. He needs to run the offense through Hunter Dickinson. 
it's inevitable at this point. You get the ball to Hunter Dickinson. He can score. He can pass. He can do whatever he needs to do. He can shoot a three-pointer and make a three-pointer, by the way. I I forgot to look this up before I started recording. I probably should have. Sorry about that. But he was at least at the beginning of the game last night and after his first three-point attempt, 100% from behind the arc this season. (laughs) So he can make three-pointers. When he wants to pull up and hit one, he can. Also, excellent at the free-throw line. So when you get into a situation where at the end of the game you throw the ball into Hunter Dickinson, he goes up, he draws a foul, you're most likely going to be making your free throws. They needed that last year in the tournament. Didn't happen. So that's huge for Kansas this year. And, yes, there's some people out there saying, oh, well, Kentucky didn't have any of their uh, centers last night. You know, Kentucky had a smaller lineup. That's why Hunter Dickinson dominated. Well, that's true. But at the same time, there are not many teams in the nation that have a defensive player who's going to be able to lock down Dickinson. So when teams start double-teaming Dickinson, when they start triple-teaming him, he throws it out to Dewan Harris, and Harris shoots a three because he's wide open. He throws it out to Kevin McCullough, shoots a three because he's wide open. He hits K.J. Adams for an alley-oop because he's wide open for an alley-oop. That's what Hunter Dickinson can do for you. The Jayhawks have such an array of weapons on offense. Dickinson needs to be the focal point. And I know that Bill Self is going to do that because he's a lot smarter than me. He's the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks with a lifetime contract. I'm just a guy talking about the Jayhawks on a podcast. Here we are, the Jayhawker Talker podcast. But that's what you can do with Hunter Dickinson. Really excited to see how he continues to progress and play in this offense. We're only three games into it, and he's already putting up 27 points and 21 rebounds in a game. Absolutely incredible. So next up, KU, number one team in the nation, taking a trip to Hawaii. (laughs) They're going to be playing in the Maui Invitational next week uh, during the week of Thanksgiving. And they start it on Monday night, 8 o'clock Central Time against Chaminade, who is the host team. They host that uh, tournament every year. This year, the tournament is in Honolulu instead of Maui. I know it's the Maui Invitational, but because of the uh, fires that occurred in Maui back in August, this tournament is now being played in Honolulu. So that is a little bit different for the team this year. Uh, If you're watching it on TV, it doesn't make that much difference to you. I'm sure they're going to have some uh, text uh, to donate to fire relief things going on uh, during this tournament, so be sure to donate if you have the capabilities to do that toward the Maui Fire Fund. Uh, again, 8 o'clock Monday night against Chaminade. That's when things uh, tip off for the Jayhawks in that tournament. If KU wins, they will face the winner of UCLA and Marquette on Tuesday night, and that's going to be the late game, very late game on Tuesday night. I believe it's a 10.30 tip-off. KU will play the winner of UCLA, Marquette, assuming that KU can get past Chaminade. That's going to be on Tuesday, November 21st, 10.30 Central Time. That's going to be a late game for us, but you got to stay up and watch and support your Jayhawks. If they play UCLA, UCLA is just outside of the top 25 right now. If they play Marquette, Marquette is currently ranked fourth in the nation. So we could have a number one versus number four battle in the Maui Invitational. 
next week on Tuesday night, potentially. We'll see how it all plays out. You know, I'll be keeping you posted next week on the Jayhawker Talker podcast as that tournament rolls on. But that's what we got for Kansas basketball right now. Let's get on with this podcast and get into the Sunflower Showdown because you've got Kansas, you've got Kansas State, two top 25 teams. I know I talked about it earlier in the podcast between the Duke-Michigan State and Kansas-Kentucky game. They had the college football ranking show. KU came in at number 25. They were the first team on the board. Number 25 in the nation, KU, after that loss to Texas Tech last week. Uh, K-State comes in ranked number 21 after their big win against Baylor. Uh, KU, unfortunately, uh, another quarterback injury. Uh, I guess it is what it is at this point. Jalen Daniels not playing because of his back. Jason Bean left the game early because of what looked like a leg injury. Then he came back in. And it ended up being a head injury. So probably had to go into concussion protocol. Um, they haven't really said that as much this week, but they said it was a head injury. That's just kind of what you assume at this point when they talk about head injuries, being careful with all that stuff. But KU uh, was on their third string quarterback last week. And it was uh, a situation you don't really like getting into when it's 10-0 at halftime. And you look at Cole Ballard, the third-string quarterback, the freshman who was going to redshirt this year, still can redshirt. I think it's if you play in three games or less, maybe it's four games or less, you can get a redshirt. So Cole Ballard can still use this year as a redshirt. But Cole Ballard thrust into a crazy situation. KU down 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. Second half comes along, uh, really no scoring going on between either team. Texas Tech adds a field goal with 2.56 left in the third quarter to make it 13-0. In the fourth quarter, all the momentum went to Kansas. Devin Neal had a 60-yard touchdown run. Real deal, Devin Neal, 60-yard touchdown run with 12-12 left in the fourth quarter. Then you got a couple, a pair of field goals So KU ties the game up with less than 30 seconds left in the game. You think that this game is going into overtime. What happens? A couple of broken plays. Texas Tech gets into field goal range, and they make a 30-yard field goal to win it 16-13 with a walk-off field goal. So KU, 7-3 on the season. There was some red zone mishaps that I don't really want to take a deep dive into because I don't have a lot of time on this one, but... KU had three times in the red zone where they walked away with a total of six points on the day. So one time they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it uh, before halftime. And then in the second half, they had two times where they were deep in the red zone and they settled for field goals. That's got to change. I don't know if that's the quarterback coming in, uh, them being a little conservative on the play calling with Cole Ballard in at quarterback. But... If Jason Bean's back, you'd hope that they could get in the end zone on those plays. If Jalen Daniels comes back, who knows if Jalen Daniels coming back or not. But if they have one of those two quarterbacks, maybe they get into the end zone and they beat Texas Tech. But that's not what happened. KU is 7-3 on the season. K-State is 7-3 on the season as well. This is a 6 o'clock kickoff on FS1. Kansas State, a 7.5-point favorite as of the recording of this podcast, And 
This is going to be probably one of the better Sunflower showdowns that we have seen in a long time. Because you look at both of these teams, both of these teams' top 25 teams, KU number 25 in the college football playoff poll, K-State number 21 in the college football playoff poll, both teams 7-3. and three. Both teams have similar losses. Uh, they both lost to Texas. They both lost to Oklahoma State. Both of those games were on the road for both of those teams. And then K-State also had a loss to Mizzou early in the season on a last-second field goal. Literally, they kicked a field goal with no time left, just like Kansas in their loss to Texas Tech. So very similar seasons for these two teams, Kansas and Kansas State. Now, the big thing is Kansas State has two quarterbacks who they can trust right now who are healthy. And that's not the case with Kansas right now. You've got uh, Jalen Daniels, who's having the back issue. You've got Jason Bean dealing with a leg head issue. I'm not really 100% sure what's going on there with Jason Bean. He's the guy that Lance Leipold says should be in there to play. He should be good to go on Saturday. So I trust the head coach there that Jason Bean should be the starter on Saturday with Cole Ballard, the third-string quarterback, as his backup. But you got Kansas State, who has Will Howard, who's healthy now, who's playing very well. You have Avery Johnson, the freshman, who has played very well this season when he's been given the opportunity. So you have two quarterbacks on Kansas State who have been playing very well the last month and a half of the season. You have KU, whose quarterbacks are dinged up. So that's why I don't like this game for Kansas. I want Kansas to go out there and win this game. I think they can go out there and win this game. It's a home game for KU. They're going to be playing out there at a sold-out David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. You guys have sold out the booth two straight weeks. You guys, I believe, have four sold-out home games on the season. Great job by you guys. This is going to come down to turnovers. If KU can create some turnovers on defense against Kansas State, if they can get some interceptions on Will Howard, if they can force a couple fumbles, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. DJ Giddens, very solid running back for Kansas State. I think he's going to have a good game. But I think that KU can have a good offensive game as well. Devin Neal should have a big game for the Kansas Jayhawks at running back. It's going to come down to if Jason Bean can stay healthy in this game. I'm not expecting Jalen Daniels to be out there. But if Jalen Daniels can play, obviously he has an electric ability to him to be able to pass, throw, whatever he needs to do. Jason Bean was starting to get there. He was starting to get into a rhythm with this offense before he got hurt last week, which is sad. But if if Jason Bean can get out there, be healthy, get into a rhythm, I think that this could be a game where KU can get the upset at home and get the win against Kansas State, although I do think K-State will probably end up winning this game. I'm hoping that Kansas can get out there and get the upset and get a win in the Sunflower Showdown because it's been a little while. It has been a little while since KU has won in the Sunflower Showdown. Now, overall... You look at these teams, KU leads the all-time series. They're 65-51-5 in the all-time series, but K-State has won the last 14 games. So that is uh, advantage Wildcats. KU needs to go out there 
and make this rivalry really they need to make this rivalry what it once was the sunflower showdown it is the 113th sunflower showdown dating back to 1911 the rivalry is the fourth longest uninterrupted series in fbs history so this is a rivalry that dates back all the way to 1911 and these two teams uh these schools don't like each other the fan bases don't like each other that's just how it is uh, they, they're going to, they're going to be bickering back and forth all week. It's going to be hopefully all in good fun. And hopefully we can have a good game out there in the sunflower showdown on Saturday. Again, it's a 6 PM kickoff game is on FS one. I'm going to be out there covering this game for the Jayhawker talker podcast for Heartland college sports. I'll be writing a three things article right after the game is done. Three takeaways. And uh, I'll be covering that. I'll have some photos up there at Jayhawker Talker on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm sure that Heartland College Sports Twitter will also have some photos from that game as well that I'll be sending to those guys. So it's going to be a fantastic weekend, a fantastic Saturday. The weather's supposed to be nice, a high of 60 degrees on Saturday. Of course, it's going to dip down into the 50s as game time happens, but... 6 o'clock kickoff on FS1, the Sunflower Showdown between number 21 Kansas State, number 25 KU, both teams 7-3. and three. It should be a lot of fun out there at the booth in Lawrence, Kansas. All right, that about does it for me. That's that's it for today's episode. You can always get at me on Twitter at JayhawkerTalker. You can keep the conversation going there. You can see all the highlights from the KU basketball game all the talk leading up to the KU football game. And like I said, I'll probably have some pictures and videos up there on Saturday documenting what's happening at the Sunflower Showdown. My name is Mark Van Sickle. You've been listening to the Jayhawker Talker podcast in affiliation with the Heartland College, Sport, uh, Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Check out my latest article over there at heartlandcollegesports.com. Just wrote an article up about the KU win over Kentucky. So be sure to check that out. Until next time, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk.